Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You know, every day and I work for him, we're talking about how, how's another way we can connect our faith to work. And you know, I like to bring on ministries that are discipling people and how to connect their faith in their work. I bring on people that have written great books. And sometimes I get to bring on people who their workplace They've already figured out how to make it a ministry. We do you hear the story of our guest today. But here's a question. Do you love your job or you're just tolerating it because you get a paycheck? That's pathetic. No, not totally pathetic. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw things at the radio. Don't. What I'm saying is that the Lord has such amazing things for you. Don't settle because you're comfortable. Because there's no comfort when you're in misery. Have you ever thought about the fact that when you're just tolerating a job, it might not be God's will for you? If you feel it's time to look for something new, how do you get started? Especially if you're like me, 50. If you're 50 years old, how do you get started all over again? People don't want to hire 50-year-olds. Yes, they do. There's a lot of wisdom. I got 50 years of wisdom. I got 50 years of screw-ups I can help people learn from. But how do you present yourself in the best light? Well, today we've got a very special guest. Patricia Edwards reached out to me. She's a member of the I Work For Him Nation. She lives here in Tampa Bay, and she's a career coach. And she goes, Jim, I think I got a story that people would like to hear. I really think that what I do on a daily basis could be an encouragement to people. And I love it when my listeners reach out to me. And as Patricia and I talked, I said, yeah, I really think there's a story here. And What I just found out is that she's originally from the Midwest. So you know we've been talking in our fantastic Midwest or Norwegian and and Swedish accents before the show. It's been a lot of fun. Patricia Edwards, welcome to I Work For Him. Jam, thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Well, I hope you really are still having fun by the end of the show. We're gonna it's gonna be fast moving, and I know for a person from Iowa. You know, this is maybe a little fast moving for you. (laughs) No, not necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) When you grew up in Minnesota, you always make fun of Iowans. And when you grew up in Iowa, you always make fun of Minnesotans. It's just part of the deal. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And And if you're from Wisconsin, everybody in Minnesota makes fun of you because you wear cheese on your head. It's just one of those deals. All right. So the Lord has really been working in your life as you've shared. I've been asking this question of all my guests the last four or five weeks because we're coming to the end of the year. How did the Lord surprise you in 2016? Wow, God has surprised me. He has amazed me. He has most importantly confirmed to me that it was the right decision to leave a a pretty high-ranking corporate position in human resources for Fortune 
100, 200 companies in order to help people. I was fairly successful over my 25 plus years of hiring top talent for these companies. And the more successful I became in terms of what the world was looking for, the less satisfied I was because I didn't feel like I was really helping people. So you're saying the big paycheck wasn't a big payoff? It, it wasn't. It wasn't, Jim. I was managing spreadsheets miles long. And what I really, when I did feel good, it was when I was working with one person solving an issue, such as how they could get uh, a promotion or how they could resolve a dispute with, uh, with a coworker. So uh, about six years ago, I had a perfect storm. I had personal losses in my life. I had professional challenges. Patricia, why does the grass always look greener on the other side of the fence? Always does. Think, think Midwest. Think. We're on radio, Patricia. I'm thinking. Leaky septic tanks. Oh, no. No, okay. no. But that's what it is. With every job, uh, people always say, well, the grass is always greener. Grass is always greener. The reason it's greener? There's a leaky septic tank over there, too. Every job has its goods and bads. So we're talking today with Patricia Edwards. She's a member of the I Work For Him Nation, and she approached me and said, Jim, I'm a wisdom and career coach, and I really love helping people find that sweet spot in their job. I love helping people get ready, prepared to interview, and, and I'm like, that's fantastic. Let's talk about this on the air. Now, this is Patricia's first, this is your first time on the radio. Yes, it is. Wow, but you're doing great so far. Thank you. For, especially for somebody from Iowa. Thank you. Now, for all, practically, she's from Minnesota because she's only from nine miles south of Minnesota, so that really puts her in the okay book. It's okay. Now, my daughter who lives in Iowa City, mm, I don't know. Oh, I'm just kidding. People, seriously, you guys are so uptight today out there. All right, so Patricia, you were saying that you know, you had this long career, probably a well-paying career. You're, you're recruiting top-notch people. And six years ago, the Lord got your attention with, as you per- put it, the perfect storm. Right. I, ha- I had a perfect storm. Um, my mother was nearing the end. My mother-in-law was nearing the end. And my husband and I don't have children, but our dog was nearing the end. All big things for me. At the same time, I had a professional challenge at work. Never had experienced that before. And I was ready to just to, uh, throw it all. I just threw up my hands. And I know a lot, a lot of people who work go through these things. What I did is I turned to my pastor and got very good counsel from him. No, that's here in Tampa. That's right. What church is that? That's right. Bayshore Baptist. Bayshore Baptist. Mm-hmm. And your pastor's name? At that time, it was Gary McCall. Okay. It's okay and to get free plugs like that. Sorry. Sure. Gary's a wonderful, wonderful man. And he said, no, no, go home and inventory all the things that you do well. And I carry that over into what I do now. In addition, I had a colleague at one time who is now a career coach, and I went to her, had coffee, was casual. And after a couple meetings with her, I started to dip my toes into the water of career coaching. People knew what I did, people from church, friends, family. Here, here's my resume. Why don't you take a look at it? Well, before long, people were willing to pay. So I was building this little practice up for about four years. But God kept stirring in my heart uh, and opening the doors. He's amazed me with opportunities such as this. Five, ten years ago, there's no way I would have imagined myself to be in this studio talking to you about how God led me to a new career. No way. 
But that's what he does. He makes all things new. So I try to do the same in my career coaching with people. Well, And it's so important, Patricia, that people really understand that it's okay to pursue a place where you're where your job environment is not toxic, that if you're, that if you are really miserable, it's okay to say, maybe the Lord's making me miserable. So I will move on Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you said you threw up your hands. Well, a lot of times the Lord is waiting for us to get to the end of our rope. And then he says, I've been holding on my rope for a really long time. Would you just grab on? I've got the solution over here. Would you grab my rope? But a lot of us are like, I got, I still got room left on my rope. I haven't got the end of my rope left. I'm still good. I'm now hanging on by a string. And, And then when you finally just throw up your hands, Fine. And God's going, what took you so long? I have something so much better for you. But but it does take a little bit of breaking of our spirits to get that. Yes. And some some clients come to me with that sense of desperation, you might say. But many clients come because, well, number one, we're in Florida. People move to Florida all the time across the country. They don't have networks here and they need some help kickstarting their job search. Other people are ready for their next uh, promotional opportunity. But by and large, I would say the majority of the people who come to me are between the ages of 40 and 60, I'd say. They have had, like me, successful careers, but their souls are suffering. Right. They want to leave a legacy. They want to work on purpose for a cause. And I can just say, I finally feel like I'm where God wanted me to, and he used everything up to this point to accomplish that. And some people suffer all the way through to retirement, and then they retire, and then they get into that sweet spot. And and what I'm telling you is that's why waste the best years of your life. You don't have to make money will never satisfy that pit in your stomach. We're talking today with Patricia Edwards about fresh starts, because many people out there in their jobs, Patricia, they're, they're, they want a fresh start. They want something new. They're so... They're, they're just... Their job has eaten them alive. And I want to plug your website, careerwisdomcoach.com, careerwisdomcoach.com. They've got people listening all across the country today and on iTunes, someday down the road, all around the country, but you never know where it's going to be listening. Careerwisdomcoach.com. Can you help people other places than in the Tampa Bay area? Oh, of course. And there's another thing God amazed me with. I help people through the, the miracle of the internet all over the all over the world, actually, I've had um, clients in Europe, throughout Europe, South America, Asia, all over. Wow! And how, do you, how do you deal with the cultural differences though? Because if you got clients in Asia, I mean, the European culture, the Asian culture, very different than here. You know what's funny? I discovered about um, Europeans, as I was told, and what I what I do, much of what I do is help people with an achievement-based resume. It's very, very important to toot your horn on your resume because if you're not going to do it, who is going to do right. it? And what I've been told a couple of times, a, a, a young man in Paris said, oh, we don't do it that way in Europe because uh, that's when they always talk about the Americans boasting. So to your point, yes, there is some, I would say, modern, uh, moderate, differences with different countries. But for the most part, resumes, CVs, LinkedIn has made things very consistent and uniform. So it's pretty much following the pattern of we in uh, the United States. You know, people think resume. Okay, what's the real chance of my resume getting looked at? 
because you know you have to do something funky to get somebody to actually recognize your resume. You know, and, and there's you know I've always thought that if, if I was going to send in a job for a job and put my resume like put a big red marker on the top, read me to try to get somebody's attention. Could, because if you are one of a thousand people, how do you get their attention? Because oh, if you're one of a thousand, probably at the top of the list is somebody that knows the person that's doing the interviewing. It's complicated, and and that's really the value that I can bring to to clients. <laughs> when you that, said that, all I thought was so are every, so is every woman on the planet. They're complicated. Okay. All right. The job search process has changed significantly in the last three to five years, even. Really, what do you mean? The internet again. The internet, LinkedIn, uh, the way recruiters look at people, uh, it's really no longer even possible to go to a moderate to large company with your resume in hand and expect to see a person and to give them the resume. Almost all companies have you fill out online resumes, applications. LinkedIn has changed the the whole appearance of the in the process again. So it's your online resume, and they're looking at who you're connected to. That's right. That's right. It's it's a, at least a three prong approach. The resume is your foundation. It's like if you're building a home, you'd have a strong foundation. Everyone needs a LinkedIn profile. I, I helped my hairstylist not that long ago with with her LinkedIn profile. Everybody needs a LinkedIn profile because... Let's say that slowly for those of you that don't understand her Iowegian accent. Everybody needs a LinkedIn profile. I'm just giving you a hard time, Patricia. I'm you sorry. are. <laughs> All right. But it is so true. I mean... It is. And this is why. It's estimated that 90 to 94% of recruiters will look you up or Google you. This is how it works. I managed a, a, a group of 60 recruiters at one time. They have on their desk, they have two monitors at least. On the left-hand side, they have their email. So all of the applications, online submissions are coming into them. They look at Jim Brangenberg's resume on the left-hand column, on the left-hand monitor. On the right-hand, they're Googling you. And what you want is your LinkedIn profile to be the top-ranked hit that they will see. The reason LinkedIn is so favorable and really the best friend for job seekers is that it has integrity. It has built-in integrity into the platform. You can network on LinkedIn. You have not only your resume on LinkedIn, but you can showcase through multimedia uh, projects that you've been involved in. You can belong in groups and you can network. It's great for introverts. So you said, but you have a three-pronged, they take a three-pronged approach. Your resume, LinkedIn, what's the third? Networking. Okay. Whether it be face-to-face or, again, imagine yourself poor poor sap up in Minnesota, snow up to your eyeballs, and you want to relocate to Florida. That was you, Jim, right? Well, no, I didn't want to. Martha <laughs> wanted desperately to be in Florida. There's no question. So how do you get to Florida without being here? That It's ticklish. But you can start that process. Because yeah, you, you don't can, know anybody. You get to know them on LinkedIn. You get to know the decision makers, and this always sounds crazy because I was so long in human resources, but you can navigate around HR and the recruiters. You go right to the decision maker. HR people are like the black hole of business. No, 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 no. No, they're not? Oh, come on. I mean, seriously, your resume gets goes to HR department. Do do people actually ever look at them? Of course. Okay. Of course, yes. But they're counterbalancing it with what they see in your digital footprint, i.e. Facebook, LinkedIn, anything else that you might have. And you were talking about, okay, so the resume, and then you talked about the foundation being, you know, a 
LinkedIn, but I look at Facebook as the jackhammer. Because if your Facebook shows all the ridiculous things that you do in life, it will jackhammer everything that you built up in LinkedIn and on your resume. Right, right. I mean, people are, and I am surprised at how many people don't recognize the fact that everybody can see your Facebook posts. Anything you put out there, it's always there. Sure, sure. For the most part, I work with professionals and executives, and they, they already get that message. So LinkedIn is where I need to work with them on of building that up because it's LinkedIn can be, and no, I'm not paid by LinkedIn. I'm just a big fan. Well, absolutely. And so am I. LinkedIn is your professional website. And when clients think of it more like that, then they take it seriously and they work it. You know, I brought you on because I I really think people really need some advice. There's a lot of people that are here in Tampa and around the country that are in jobs because they needed a job because the economy was so poor. And they're like, I can't afford to look for another job because I can't afford to lose the job that I have. Because, it, you know, the times were tough. They were really, really tough. Nothing's are slightly better. And, but I would say they're only slightly better because if you really look at it, the Fed just announced today they're going to raise interest rates. Taxes, they can't possibly go down on a personal level. They can't, I don't know, because we got so much debt. But things are just okay. But there are jobs out there. And for well-qualified people, there are jobs out there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But but it's a matter of making you look like you're the best person. You have to stand out. Right. And on my LinkedIn page, that's my header. The header's right under the, the, the name. I help people stand out. You've got to stand out because on an average, there are one to 200, maybe 300, 400 people vying for the same position you are. And I don't say that as a defeatist at all. I say that to be realistic with people because they have to stand out. They have to have the right keywords in their resume. They, there's no reason why we aren't showcasing those achievements, those accomplishments that we've worked so hard to do. That's what employers want to do. That's what they want to see. They want to see numbers, metrics. So in the resume, in the LinkedIn profile, infuse those those are your marketing materials. Right. Infuse them with how you've improved things where you've worked. Uh, I love working with salespeople because they get it. They're held accountable. Well, it's all about statistics when you're a salesperson. Absolutely. They're held accountable for improvements and quotas, and they're easy. it's easy to draw it out. But everybody has those things. You've either made money for your company, saved money for your company, improved a process that makes it more efficient. We all have that, but most people don't stop and think about it. Those are the things that need to go into the resume so you stand out. Well, and if you listen to the show every day, you know that as part uh, at listening to I Work Ren, the challenge then is to be a person of excellence in your position. And Patricia, if somebody's a person of excellence in their position, they've got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, and and that's what's a real key is as Christ followers, we should be the best people in the positions that we have. Right. So I know you don't just work with Christ followers, that you work with lots of different people, which is awesome. You get an opportunity to really minister to these people because you're helping them transition from somewhere where they're unhappy to somewhere where they're going to be more fulfilled and happy. Yes, yes. So what is that? What does the person look like that is ready for a job change? Let's just describe them, not hairstyle. I'm talking about, you know, what, what, do, they, what do they look like? <laughs> It it might Stop it might vary. I can't believe you even brought up a hair thing. I mean, we, I mean, we we started out. Uh, you know, I, I said that I was in a perfect storm. Not everyone has to be desperate. Not everyone has to be um, 
a victim of a soul-sucking profession. There's a lot of people who just want to be promoted because they are ready for that. Many people, especially as I said, in their 40s and 50s, want to make a career change. They want to take everything that they've done, all that experience, their education. You don't have to throw it away. You just want to do something different. For example, I've had a couple of lawyers recently, very accomplished individuals, who in their 50s were thinking, well, I'm going to work another 10, 15 years or so. I want to make a difference. One said to me, I'm tired of always being in the courtroom and fighting for people who I don't believe in. I want to do something. And she's an advocacy uh, attorney. So she went into nonprofit. Right now she's an executive director of an advocacy group up in St. Louis. Hmm. So those are the things. Those are the exciting changes that can happen when you take the time to look into what you are doing best and you may most people don't even stop and think about what they are good at their well, strengths. Well, what I'm looking for because people listen and go, "Well, I'm not sure if I'm that person thinking about changing a job." But it's it's that dissatisfaction with the job. It's waking up in the morning going, mm, "I don't really want to go to work today." I mean, it's some of that going. It's got to be more meaning to my work. Sure. It just feels like I have a meaning, or it seems like I've got a cement ceiling over me. What do they call it? A glass ceiling, but uh-huh. you can't give. It, but it's really more like a cement ceiling with reinforcing rods, and you things know what like it's that. Called now for the. 40s and 50 years old, it's now called a gray ceiling because that brings in a whole nother dimension of obstacles and challenges. Stop picking on us old people. Seriously, I can't believe it. All right, Patricia, I promised people that we would give them practical. Uh, I used to say on the show that, hey, turn in, tune into iWorkRim, you get the practical, the tactical, the 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 uh, biblical, uh, practical, tactical, factual, and biblical. So I want to give them some of that stuff. Sure. You bring your faith into your workplace every day. You're you're helping people. You're really ministering to people because when you're dealing with people, you're really trying to help them move from either maybe misery to not misery or from uncomfortable to comfortable or from I'm tired of being comfortable. I want a fresh change. I mean, you're really ministering to people's spirits when you're talking to them, aren't you? Yes. And um, a few years back, I took the spiritual gifts test that many of us have done and didn't think too much about it at that time probably was 10 years ago or so but it indicated that my spiritual gift was exhortation and one thing I have found that I do in this position so much more than I did in my corporate life was it's just natural for me to encourage people because again not everyone comes out of desperation to me but the job search is extremely frustrating because it is so complex so I offer them education, how to, how to navigate, how to do things. They need to understand how it works. And having been on the other side of the desk, I can explain that to them. But it almost always happens along the way. Once a client gets their resume done, the LinkedIn profile up, they're working their LinkedIn profile, they're going to interviews. Many times they'll contact me, they'll email me or, or telephone, and I could tell they're down. They're they're frustrated. And I love to be able to encourage them. It just comes natural. And many, not, not many, sometimes God has brought people together uh, for me be, to be able to do that. Uh, I'm not an evangelistic person, but I'm more comfortable encouraging. Well, and what that's so, when you're in the job search, 
it does get frustrating because you could you could have a hundred interviews. I've got a son-in-law that's in Minneapolis that, that would love to uh, go into a place where he's more appreciated, and he's interviewed, but nothing has worked out yet. And it is a uh, it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, I need a little encouragement. I mean, it's just one of those things. I, I, I somebody just to pat me on the back. And so let's 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 put these in a dollar figures. So somebody that works with a wisdom coach, a career and wisdom coach like you, versus somebody trying to do it on their own. If both people land a job, is your coaching going to help them get more money for their job or get a job more quickly? What do you think? Well, it has worked out both ways. And I think everyone listening and you understand, I can't guarantee. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. That's right. (laughs) I can't guarantee anyone I work with that you will be hired because there are too many things I don't have control over. They may have a great marketing campaign and their collateral materials may be top notch, but, and we may do interview coaching. So they know what to expect in terms of the interview questions. They know how to respond. That is something I can give them that no recruiter will ever give them because of fear of being sued. But there's just so many factors. Uh, For example, this time of year, right around the holidays, people take time off. So the recruiters, the, the whole, the whole process slows down. Yeah, it'd be useless to send out a resume right now. Cause... Yes and no, though. I was oh, going to say, yes goes. and no. Okay, or you're the expert. I had a little fun taking a look uh, back on my career history. And I've in my 28 years, I had seven different positions. Three times I was either offered a job or started a job in December. So for In those, Florida? Uh, half and half. Half in the Midwest, uh, half in Florida. But for those people who have given it up until January 1st, don't do that. And there's a reason not to do that because you will have less competition because everyone else is thinking, well, I'll just go gift, you know, gift shopping and, and watch Hallmark movies. And while that would be the opportune time to you for you to pursue it, as long as everything else is in place, that's the key. Well, and if you're sitting at home watching Hallmark movies, it will make you depressed. So don't do that. You need to you need to get off the couch. Don't watch Hallmark movies. I mean, you can only take so much Hallmark channels. Seriously, uh, all right. I'm I just I'm joke. Seriously, people, stop sending emails. Uh, it is you. What you do is really such an encouragement to people. Let's talk about some practical things. Let's just say it's me. Okay, I'm coming to you, and I want a job. I got 25 years of IT or of insurance experience and 10 years of IT experience. And yes, I, that doesn't add up to 30, but that's just the way it works out. And I want a new start. How, what, what's the first thing you, you do with me? Well, the first thing we need to do is... Uh, and to, I say to, I'm going to hire you. Together, okay. we do what I call career branding. And that may be a term that's new to a lot of people. But when you think about branding, you might think about Coke versus Pepsi, uh, name recognition. If you were, if I were to ask you what's a luxury car manufacturer, you might say Lexus. Lexus. Free BM. free plugging today. BMW, Mercedes. So no, those things come to I mind. I say those because they take they cost much money to fix. But that's name recognition. That's branding. Okay. All right. Now think of yourself as the product because in the job search, and this is not meant to be demoralizing, but we are a product. A company is going to be investing by paying us compensation and benefits. So what do you want people to think of when they hear your name? So that's called career branding. We go through some assessments, some inventories, and the the uh, 
result of that is that you know yourself better. So you so you take them through a process of helping them understand who they are, who God right. created them to be. Whether right. they recognize God or not, you're taking them through a bunch of assessments to right. help them understand it. And then, so, and a lot of times that's eye-opening for people. They're, they've never oh, even... Oh, yes. And that's what amazes me. So many people that go through... They're 50 years old and they've never done assessments to really find out who they are, which right. is why the identity and destiny study that we talk about so often is so powerful for, for people because it helps them understand who God created them to be and what they should be doing with it. And uh, it is so awesome to be able to figure that out, but you're helping them with a little piece of that. Exactly. And why would we start with that? Because the the more familiar you are with your own strengths and what makes you stand out again in the job search is going to help you when we then move to the resume, then to LinkedIn, and ultimately to the interview, because you'll be prepared to share your success stories. So after we do the career branding, then we we tackle the resume. Again, as I said before, that's the foundation. It's the basement of the house. And when you say tackle, sometimes it is a matter of really just, do you ever just tell people, just take what you have and leave your address and name on the top? Let's start from scratch. Oh, yes, yes. Often that's what the case is? Again, things have changed so much so quickly that the very format, the very essence of a resume today in in 2016, almost 2017, looks much different than it did five or ten years ago. So the branding process that we went through, those, those wonderful words to describe you, to help you stand out, those will be at the top of the resume. So, yes, I do what I call an executive format for everyone. Everyone deserves that. We tackle the resume, I said, because hopefully you have a somewhat current resume already. So for the most part, I do. How many people don't? uh, Not that many, actually. Well, let's say if you were in the same job for 20 or 30 years, then you might, then you may not have kept it current. Most people have some semblance of a resume. If not, I send them some information and they produce a skeleton. Then we go back and forth via email until we get it right. And what I call it, your resume is now interview worthy. So again, in my past life, I would look at that resume and think, yes, you're ready for prime time now. Let's go ahead and move on to the LinkedIn profile. Now, people who are my age and older, so 50 and older, how much history should they provide in the resume? Because if you provide too much, like the year you graduated from college, people can figure out, oh, they're old. Right, right. Now, realistically, assuming you're going to be successful and get to the interview, someone's going to be able to pretty much calculate what you what you. People look at me, are. they think 30. Well, I was going to say 28. 28 right, right. Yes. But ageism, let's just say what it is. Ageism is real, mm-hmm. but ageism is a 50-50. It's 50% on the recruiter or the employer, the hiring manager's part, it's a good 50% on the actual job seeker's part. And it's mindset. When it comes to the resume, your, your question was about how far back do you go? Right. And I would say, let's stay in this century. Okay, so 15, 16 years. Right, right. Okay. And for two reasons. For fear of ageism sometimes, relevancy. I mean, a lot of things have changed in 15 years. I, I have quite a few IT clients. If they've been in the industry for a long time, we don't need to know that they had uh, 
card punch and COBOL <laughs> and, and those great things. So it's relevancy. I, I resemble both those remarks with my computer science degree. All right. So <laughs> I never worked on punch cards. My sister did. She's much older than I am. But I did program in COBOL, Fortran, and you know Pascal. So, But don't, don't judge me. It's okay. So when you look at so the LinkedIn profile should match up perfectly with the resume profile? Yes, plus. As I sometimes say, the LinkedIn profile is your resume on steroids. So it's a lot more description out so there. So much more. Again, it's your professional website. So you can list your honors, your awards, publications, projects. And projects is a big thing that people overlook. Everybody's involved in some kind of project at work. The beauty of that is if you worked on them with other people, you can list their name if they're on LinkedIn and then you have a multiple benefit. Your networking is on LinkedIn. You can post updates. You can start a blog. The LinkedIn profile just has almost limitless opportunities to showcase your value. Just don't post personal stuff on LinkedIn. I mean, post professional stuff. Sometimes you see people get, during the election, people were posting political stuff. That's not the platform for posting. Yes, and you're and you're speaking of the updates. That um, so people just do. whatever people do, update. Just yes. yeah, on on LinkedIn, keep it professional. Everything yes. you do. Now, just recently, though, I heard about a person who the question comes about volunteer work. Mm-hmm. You know, should I list that I'm on a committee at my church? Should I not? And uh, here, here's an example. No, no judgment in what I'm saying, but someone said her husband was involved in the Masons. Should that go on under volunteer with the LinkedIn profile? And I said, you can put anything there. Just keep in mind that that might be a divisive issue. And it may be, people have a lot of opinions about, about things. So when it comes to your volunteer work <laughs> and your political. Isn't, that, was that the, the nicest thing you've ever heard? People have a lot of opinions about things. That is, that is just the sweetest thing. You can just tell you're from the Midwest. <laughs> But it is, that is so true. So don't give people fodder is what I'm talking about. On your LinkedIn, keep Keep it it professional. professional. Right. Okay. So (laughs) I'm amazed in Florida, as I've helped, I've done a lot of coaching of business owners and leaders, teaching them how to interview people because people really don't know how to interview people. It is the thing I like to do best. It's what I'm doing right now. And I'm amazed at how people will show up for interviews so unprepared. How do you help people prepare for the interview? What do you tell them about dress, speech, promptness? What do you what do you tell them? Because those are things that people miss. You know, for the most part, people, most people know decorum. They know how to dress. What I work with them about are those stumper questions. Because think about it. You've gotten to all the trouble of perfecting your resume, a lot of hours in on your LinkedIn profile, you're networking, you finally make it to the interview. You only have one shot at that. So don't give away the stumper question. When we come back, I really want to hit your number one stumper question. We'll compare it to mine. All right, but dress. You know, if they're going, I mean, in Florida, almost nobody wears a suit or a pantsuit or a dress suit. Do you tell people wear them anyway to the interview? We don't really t- get into that because, again, I think most people... But you're people a career I, and wisdom coach. Well, the, the people I, who come to me know, know that. Okay. But generally, dress dress one notch better than you think you should go into an and, interview. And be prompt. No, I mean, as I've interviewed for people, do not show up. If your interview's at 10, do not show up at 10 o'clock. And that means you need to be there 15 minutes early, and which means you got to calculate traffic. Patricia, it's been too fast, but... 
before we leave, I, I promise people, you know, one of the things you said is you help people get ready for the interview. Mm-hmm. And it's those doozy questions. I mean, I've got a question that I, when I'm helping somebody interview people, I always ask this question. I always ask them, do they have a mother or father still around? And if they don't, then I said, do you have a brother or sister still around? I, I ask until I find somebody that's close to them that's still around. And I said, okay, it, it, Patricia it, it is, uh, well, uh, you got a sister or brother still around? Sister. All right. If I called your sister today, what's your sister's first name? Linda. Linda. If I called Linda today and said, what is it about Patricia that drives you crazy that you've been talking to her about all her life and she still needs to work on it? What is Linda going to say? What's she going to say? I'm perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the little sister. It's the greatest question ever because people answer that question honestly every time because it totally catches them off guard. I honestly don't know. You don't know what Linda I'll see her next week. I'll ask her. Ace, can you get her on the phone? Just kidding. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So what is your doozy question? What is your, what did you call your number one stumper question? Stumper questions, because this, the interview coaching that I do is so crucial because as I said before, when you're in a work setting and you, you get the decline notice, sorry, thank you for the interview, but we're not hiring you. Just had a client a couple days ago ask me, he's so frustrated because he wants, he wants to know what went wrong. Companies won't tell you. They're afraid of being sued because we're so litigious. Well, I love the opportunity of being able to share that like inside information now. So I have two questions, actually. My favorite question used to be somewhat similar to yours, but it would be, what would your current or most recent manager tell me is an area of opportunity for you? So that's that was my favorite because it did test their their the job seekers honesty because people know that you're going to do background checks. So and and second reason it was insightful. How insightful are you, job seeker, that you do know what your manager would say? But my question now is different. And to your point earlier when at the end of the interview, the hiring manager or the recruiter will ask the job seeker, "And do you have any questions for me?" kiss of death don't say no everything's just fine you always have to have a couple questions say that again if somebody asks you at the end of an interview do you have any questions for me absolutely of course you do absolutely you You must have a question ready and here's the best question what would you say is the measure of success so if i'm hired how will my success be measured bingo you have automatic buy-in You've bonded with that person because you are all you are already seeing yourself in that position, kind of a, an assumptive hiring posture, but also you're truly interested in what it takes to be successful in that organization. And the I love that question. I told you that Bob Td, who I've had on the air, took that question and put a little twist on it and said, for the interview interviewee to ask. What are the things you're praising about the person that you that you hire for that position that you just said, I wish I had a hundred of those people mm-hmm. in my position? So I mean that's just it's so important just to be ready. But yeah. so this is a process. So how long does this process take? Like if I come to you and I want to change jobs, how long does it take for you to get me fine-tuned and ready to go get interviewing? I I'm glad you didn't ask me how long does it take for me to get a job because that really no, depends I didn't ask on that the person. Job. No, to yeah, get ready to be interviewing. It varies, but what I will say is I'm very responsive, and I always get back to someone within 24 hours. Oh, I'm not. It's not your issue. How long does it usually take them to get everything ready to get that's, put together? That's the factor. I've had, quite frankly, I've had some people who I'm, I'm still waiting for them to do their quote-unquote homework. Typically, however, it takes, I'd say, two weeks. 
two to three weeks. Okay. And that means we've gone through the career branding, the resume, the LinkedIn profile training, which is about an hour, hour and a half long. And not everyone selects the interview coaching. All right. So last question really quick. What's one thing everybody that out there is thinking about changing jobs, one thing they need to, they need to know? Focus. Focus. You can't have three or four options. You've got to, as I say, pick a lane. You're on a highway, busy, busy highway, freeway with multiple lanes. You've got to pick a lane and be focused. Patricia Edwards with CareerWisdomCoach.com. Thanks for being on iWork Rim today. It was a lot of fun. You did a great job. Thank you. As we come to the end of another iWork Rim radio program, I just hope that you you heard what Patricia was saying today. I mean, it is important that we're prepared. And as you when you when you put in the God factor into all this, as Patricia gets to do with some people. You start to say, well, what does the Lord really want me to do? And how can I get prepared for my next mission field, my next workplace? All of this comes into play, but God expects us to be ready and to be excellent in what we do, including our career-moving preparation. What are you doing to be prepared to be the best, the brightest in you, as you interview for a job? Making sure that you present the best possible image that's truthful. It's so important. Check out Patricia Edwards online at careerwisdomcoach.com. That's careerwisdomcoach.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.